Well, good evening, folks. It's great to have you with us tonight. Uh, thank God for what has been happening in the turning. So if you visit all pastors who are here tonight, I know Colin and Tom are here, and Yinka is here. All pastors, could you all, anyone who's a pastor, could you stand up? Pastors, stand up. There's some pastors there. In-house pastors are allowed to stand up as well. <laughs> Let's, yay, Let's show honor and appreciation to the amazing pastors in the house. God bless you guys. So appreciate our partnership. And uh, what, as Tom has said, you know, the, I love the thing about the turning that is actually it's a whole pile of churches pulling together to do something together for the glory of God. Isn't that great? Love it. All right, I'm just going to take us on a bit of a journey on the Bible, just really briefly, and then we're going to take some time to worship and receive from God, because before we can give out, we've got to take in. Let's pray. Father, thank you. You're among us and you love us. Thank you for all the amazing stories of what you have been doing in people's lives. And thank you, God. It's just day two. <laughs> We're so excited, God. Thank you for the hundreds who have come to Christ already, and we pray for many more. Now, Lord, I pray as we just reflect for these moments in Scripture, I pray you'd impact us. And then as we go from here, I pray that I pray for anyone tonight, God, who doesn't yet know Jesus. I pray this evening you would meet with them. And I pray, Father, that tonight we would also, in these moments of worship at the end, we would receive from you that people who have never been baptized with the Holy Spirit tonight would be baptized with the Holy Spirit, that people would be refilled with the Holy Spirit, people would be miraculously healed. We welcome you just to do your amazing work among us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you. Well, when the Pope came to Edinburgh, a guy came up to him and said, please, Father, can you pray for my hearing? And the Pope laid hands on him and prayed, and he said, how is it now? I said, no, no, my hearing's on Tuesday. My hearing's on Tuesday. <laughs> we love when God does miracles, don't we? We love that. We love when God performs miracles. One of my favorite miracles in the Bible is when Peter and John, it was the hour of prayer, they were going to the temple. Peter and John went to pray. Remember that song? They met a lay man on the way he asked for alms and held out his palms and this is what Peter did say silver ringgold have I none but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth rise up and he went and leaping and praising God, walking and leaping and praising God, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Isaac. Acts chapter 3, verses 1 to 30. You guys have memorized the Bible, what are you all like? So Peter and John went to pray, met a guy selling the big issue. He says, we don't have any money. But what we have got, we give you in Jesus' name. And he took this guy who had been crippled since birth. 
It wasn't even like he'd had the one-year-old experience of learning to find his feet. He never had any of that. So not only did he receive a miracle of strengthening of legs, he received an instantaneous ability to balance. A miracle? Incredible. And not only balance, but he, he started jumping around, walking and leaping. He went into the temple courts in the middle of Jerusalem. And crowds gathered, seeing this guy, and they knew him. Every day, they laid, he was laid at the gate called Beautiful, which was one of the entrances up to the temple area. Started leaping and dancing. Crowds gathered. And Peter the apostle stands up in front of the crowds and he tells them about Jesus. He says, listen, it wasn't our power that healed this guy. We couldn't do that. But God wants to do things through us that we couldn't do by ourselves. How many people agree? And so miracle happened by the power of Jesus and Peter started telling the crowds about this. Then the crowds, they heard about Jesus the Messiah and they know that only weeks before they had been involved with crucifying that Messiah. But Peter told them that the one you crucified actually died on your behalf for your sins. And the third day he rose again. And the people wanted to respond. This is what Peter said to them. Acts chapter 3 verse 19 to 21. Repent then and turn to God. Say turn. Repent and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Then he may send the Messiah whom has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes to restore everything as he promised long ago. You see, power preceded turning. So there was a miracle and the power preceded the people then turning to God. Now what happened on the back of Peter telling the people this is there was a large-scale response. Thousands, actually, in the temple courts areas who heard Peter, thousands came to faith. They were so impacted by the miracle and now by the message. Power preceded turning. Say that. Power preceded turning. Okay. But now we all see that turning preceded power. Let me just first of all talk about turning. In the Bible, there's a word that's just, we've read it there. It's the word repentance, repents. And it, I guess you could say it's a 180 degree turn. People turning their life around. It's not just, you've been going this way, you've been going in a way that's ignoring God, and then it's realizing there's a God and you're turning around and you're going back. Now you're pursuing God. It's not just stopping going your own way and stopping. It's turning around and starting going God's ways. It's a stopping and a starting. It's like there's a guy walking along the street one day and he sees this guy struggling with a washing machine in his doorway. And the, the guy came along and said, oh, can I help you? He said, oh, thank you so much. Yeah, I really appreciate that. So they both start struggling with this washing machine. They're struggling after several minutes. They haven't made any progress. And they, oh, they're exhausted. They look at each other frustrated. They think, how have we not made so much progress? And the guy said, you wouldn't think it'd be so hard to get the thing through the door. In, in through the door. And the other guy said, oh, I, sorry, I thought you were trying to get it out. Ah, okay. And you see, that's what's happening in life. You're trying to go your way, and God's trying to get you to go his way. So this, it, repentance, is, the struggle stops. Just go with God. Stop resisting him. Go with God. And it's not just that you repent and stop living your way and start living for God when you become a Christian. It also goes on in your Christian life. You're trying to do, you've got an agenda, I want to do my thing in my relationship or this way or in my job, I want to do it my way. And God's saying, no, no, I've got a better way. So repentance is an ongoing thing, not just at the beginning of our conversion. So hey, tonight, if you've never turned to God, if you've been living your own way, you know God loves you so much. It's time to turn to God. 
You know God's calling you to turn to him and live for him. Don't live another day on earth without allowing God to be your God. And repentance also means an inward change that brings an outward change. The word actually is the Greek word metanoia, which means to change your minds. It's to change your thinking, to change your mind about God, to change your mind about yourself, to realize, man, I I want God to be my God. It's, it's, It's making a choice about God. And that's an important step at the beginning of your journey with God. But you know also it's an important step for believers. I I feel to say to you that some of you are one good decision away from the whole new level in life. Just Just one good decision and God will stir you to make a decision and that will be the moment that will propel you into the next season in your life. Changing your minds. But then turning precedes power. Say that with me. Turning precedes power. Let's go back to the verse that says, repent then and turn to God that, and there's three things, okay? Your sins may be wiped out. That's power. You turn to God, your sins will be wiped out. Gone. Gone. Buried forever. Secondly, the times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Wow, you turn to God, you experience the power of the Holy Spirit. Deep peace. And thirdly, that he may send the Messiah. Now, in the, Jesus, Peter here is preaching to a huge Jewish audience. And actually, Peter is saying something that's a very important key. We, last week, we preached on one nation among many nations. We talked actually that the Jewish people turning to Jesus at the ends will precede Jesus' return. So this verse isn't just, wasn't just for them to understand that God will come into your life. But actually, prophetically, prior to the returning of Jesus Christ, there will be a large-scale revival among the Jewish nationals in the land of Israel. Isn't that amazing? Wow. You can download last week's message if you're interested. (laughs) It's a long one. But the principle is this. Whether you're a Jew or whether you're a Gentile or from England or from Corgi or wherever you're from, okay? The truth is, you turn to God, that paves the way for God to step in. Turning to God precedes God stepping in. Now, Peter knew this. Peter, who was telling the crowds as he knew this. The beginning of his journey, he was fishing one day. He hadn't caught anything. I mean, that's a, what, what kind of fisherman is he to fish and not catch anything? If you were here this morning, you'd understand. <laughs> Peter hadn't got anything and Jesus met him he was in the shore and and Jesus said I want you to cast your net on the other side and he did it and he got this miraculous huge catch of fish incredible miraculous catch of fish and what does Peter do it says in Luke chapter 5 so when Peter saw this he fell on his knees fell at Jesus's knees and said go away from me Lord I'm a sinful man For he and all his companions were astonished at such a catch of fish. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So Peter Peter understood that you turn to God, God will step in. Turning precedes power. See, heaven is not for good people. Heaven is for forgiven people. And Peter, from that point forward, 
experience this thing called grace. Later on in Peter's life, he again experienced turning precedes power. In Luke chapter 22, Jesus interacted with Peter on the very night that Jesus was betrayed. And he said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, say turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he replied, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and even to death. And Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny three times that you know me. And that night, you know what happens. It was the night Jesus was arrested. He was betrayed by Judas. And then Peter, who was full of all the right intentions, actually, when the rubber hit the road, he chickened out. He said, I don't know him. He said, denied three times that he knew Jesus. And he was devastated. Jesus Christ was crucified for our sins. On the third day, he rose again. And after Jesus' resurrection, and Peter had seen him alive, Peter recorded in John chapter 21, he turns to his friends and says, guys, I'm going fishing. Now, here's the question. Why on earth did Peter go fishing? You see, I can understand if Jesus was dead, I can understand him going fishing. Because, well, that was a waste. We've wasted three years of our lives. He wasn't who we thought he was going to be. I need to get back to my career. But why on earth would he go fishing because Jesus had risen from the dead? And the answer is his disillusionment went from being about Jesus. Because he was disillusioned with Jesus because he died. But then he rose. His disillusionment turned from disillusionment about Jesus to now he was disillusioned with himself. Because sure he was alive. But what on earth would God want to do with anyone like me? A flawed phony like me who when the rubber hit the road... I denied that I even knew him. So we went fishing. And here's what Jesus does in, in, in John chapter 21, verse 4. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach. Again, Peter was fishing, but he wasn't really a very good fisherman. Again, here he was, and he hadn't caught fish. But the disciples couldn't, uh, couldn't see who it was. And he called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, throw out your net on the right side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did. They couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple whom Peter loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard it was the Lord, he put on his tunic for he'd stripped for work and jumped into the water. Now that's a weird moment, right? <laughs> Take your jacket off, jump in. But he said, panic, get my jacket on and then jump in. Afterwards you think, please don't write about that, John. But John put it in the gospel. So there he is. <laughs> So he put his jacket on and then, oh, why did I do that? But anyway, he started swimming and he swam to the shore about a few hundred yards from the shore. And when they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them. Jesus had cooked them breakfast. Imagine that breakfast. Fish cooking over a charcoal fire. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know that I love you then take care of my sheep. Jesus said a third time, uh, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt that Jesus asked him the third question, third time, the same question a third time. And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. You ever heard of 
um, the phrase déjà vu. You ever heard of the phrase déjà vu? <laughs> you ever heard it? Okay. <laughs> so Peter had a couple of déjà vu moments here. Deliberate, set up by God. The first déjà vu moment was a cache of fish. Jesus set it up. This is the second miraculous catch of fish. The first miraculous catch of fish was when Peter first turned to God and he experienced grace, forgiven. Remember I said heaven isn't full of good people, it's full of forgiven people. Peter experienced grace. And it's one thing being a sinner saved by grace. What happens after you've become saved by grace and then you revert back to doing the stuff you know you shouldn't have done. So if I'm honest with you, and I was to ask you, how many of you have sinned worse since you've been a believer, even than you had before you were a believer? Do you know what? Honestly, I'd have to put my hand up. I did bad stuff before as a believer. I'm not going to tell you all the stuff, but honestly, if I'm honest, I think I've done worse stuff in the 20 years, 25 years since I've been a believer than probably did when I, 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 I'm so grateful for grace that it wasn't just a God who gave me a first chance but a God who gave me a second chance and a God who gave me a third chance and how many people are glad for the fourth chance and the fifth chance and the sixth chance this grace that just keeps giving you see folks we don't repent to get God to love us we repent because God loves us I'm blown away by his love. How could I remain the same? Peter had a deja vu moment, the cache of fish. Then he had another deja vu moment. It's charcoal fire. It was a total setup. There's only two times in the New Testament where charcoal's mentioned. One was the fire where Peter warmed himself that evening when Jesus was arrested. You know, sometimes memories associated with smells. You get a smell. I remember my daughter used to have pity for Lou Yogurus when she was just a toddler. And every so often she would puke. And there was that strange smell of pity for Lou that kind of was marinated with a very sour, wrong smell. Anyway, from now on, I just, yeah, I just can't go near pity for Lou Yogurus. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so those associations are linked with smells. And Jesus set it up here so that Peter would smell the charcoal fire. The place where he associated his three denials was now a place where he had the opportunity to have three affirmations. Isn't that great? And Jesus, instead of saying, Peter, why did you deny me? Peter, why did you deny me? Peter, why did you deny me? He said, Peter, do you love me? He didn't even mention. Didn't even mention sin. He hasn't come to rub it in, folks. He's come to rub it out. He didn't even mention the sin. He said, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? How is it possible that that so much grace could be available? Well, because he just went to the cross. God died for you. Jesus Christ shed his blood for you. So you could be forgiven, washed, acceptable before God. Peter, 30 years later, 
full of acceptance, understanding grace, wrote 1 Peter 3 verse 18, for Christ also suffered once, say once, once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. Isn't that amazing? Once. You know, one sacrifice was sufficient not just to pay the price for all your past sins, but every sin you would ever commit. That's amazing. See, on a human level, someone will accept you as their friends based on how you behave. Oh, they behave okay. You can be my friends. But God accepts you, not just knowing how you have behaved, but knowing everything you ever will do. And when he accepts you in that moment, he didn't just accept that version of you. He accepted the 60-year-old version of you and the 70-year-old version of you. It's a total acceptance based on one sacrifice for all sins, past, present, and future. How many people are glad for grace? God is so good. Radical grace. And I love that. So turning precedes power. So there's Peter. He made the worst failure of his life. I can't think of a worse failure. That when Jesus most needed you, you denied you even knew him. I cannot think of a worse. I've done bad stuff, but I can't think of anything I've done that would come close. And yet seven weeks after him making the worst failure of his life, he stands up on the day of Pentecost and births the church. He has the greatest success of his life seven weeks after having the greatest failure of his life. How is that possible? Because the God we serve will work with failures like us through radical grace and turning precedes power. When you turn, even if it's the second time you've turned or the third time, then power is released in your life and power is released through your life. Some of you are really nervous about going out in the streets because you think, man, I'm not worthy. You're absolutely right. You are really not worthy. You're really not worthy. Especially you, Sammy. And, and you know, there's a few of you here, Yinka and other. You're really, really not worthy. But God has qualified you. You've been declared righteous because of Jesus' blood. And so you, you, you've turned to God and therefore you need to understand there's power released. There is power released. Some of you are actually today in neutral in your faith because of failures you've done when you know you should have known better. It wasn't like you were a sinner away from God. No, no, you'd come to God and you'd failed. And some of you are now in neutral. But you need to understand that God is a God of the umpteenth chance. And today, today, turn and receive afresh his power released into your life some of you have settled for second best because you thought okay I denied him three times that I knew him how could God ever use me why would you want to settle for second best God's best is that you're going to go to your greatest success just around the next bend so trust him believe his grace some churches so encourage the church leaders here repent in your thinking don't settle for second best God wants to release power. So turning precedes power, but also power precedes turning. On the day of Pentecost, the power of God was poured out. That day, 3,000 were saved. What I love about the turning is that every... See, for the turning, it's like the book of Genesis, and there was evening and there was morning the first day, okay? In the turning, you don't go out until you've been there the evening before. 
As Yinka has often said, the most important bit is what happens in the evening before we go on the streets. So what's the most important bit is about, to what, is about what's about to happen just now. We want to receive power. We want to receive power. And as we receive power, then we can go out in the streets tomorrow. And, yeah, and if you're not going in the streets tomorrow, if you can't take a sickie, and you're going to your work, then you can have power for work tomorrow and power for your family. Receive from God. He has got this for you. I just want to say, there's a couple of other pastors here. I suddenly need see you as I'm preaching. And you didn't stand up. But I want to honor Kenny Galloway and Linda. You guys are amazing from Curry Baptist. Honor you guys. And Mike, pastor and evangelist at West of Hills. Bless you, man. It's so good to have you here. What we're going to do just now is we're going to we're going to worship, but we're also going to receive from God. And I, I'm going to have a, a whole team of men and women of God at the front here. And I want you just to come forward when you're ready and be prayed for. Some of you have never been baptized with the Holy Spirit. God wants to do that for you tonight. Others of you need refilled. We want to lay hands on you and pray that God will refill you with power. Others of you need a a breakthrough of a miracle in your body. I believe miracles are available tonight by His grace. Let's pray. Lord, you know everyone here and you love them. Thank you, God. You're the God who inspires us by love to turn. You melt our hearts, Lord. We turn because of your love. Thank you, God, for this great love. Thank you for this amazing grace. Jesus, thank you for the forgiveness that's freely available, but it costs you everything. Thank you for that amazing love. Thank you. Just before God, just just in your hearts, just thank him for his grace. If you're a believer and you've gone into neutral because of mistakes you've made, it's time to get into gear. God's calling you very simply to turn and receive his grace right now. Just right now, in in his presence, receive that grace. Receive that grace. You haven't done as bad as Peter did and he received grace so you can receive grace. Just receive that grace. Thank him for it just now. Thank him for it. Thank him for it. While people are praying, I want to give you an opportunity this evening. If you don't yet know God, It is so good to have you here tonight. So pleased you came along. I want to give you an opportunity this evening to know God, to know maybe for the first time this total forgiveness is available for you. And it's very simple. It very simply involves you trusting in Jesus, the one who died for you and rose again, and turning to him with your whole life. If that's you tonight and you're saying, Peter, I'm here and I want to know God, this moment is for you. This has nothing to do with joining a church. You could go to lots of great churches and say, this is about you and God. So just where you are just now, if that's you and you're saying, Peter, I want God in my life. I want to know God. I want to know that forgiveness. Then pray this prayer with me just now. Under your breath, pray, dear Lord God, thank you so much, Jesus, for dying for me. Thank you for rising again on the third day. 
Thank you, you're alive right now. Tonight, I put my faith in you. And Jesus, tonight I choose to follow you. Be Lord of my life from now on. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Keep your eyes closed. If anyone here tonight prayed that prayer, I want to pray blessing on you. In order to know who I'm praying for, I'm just going to ask you very simply to identify yourself. If you're here tonight and you prayed that prayer, while everyone else's eyes are closed, can you just quickly slip your hand in the air, then put it down again. Go for it. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? I'm sure there are more. Tonight you just said, that's me. I, I, I asked Jesus to be my savior and forgive my sins. If that's you, I want to pray for you. Just anyone else before I pray, just quickly raise your hand. I'll wait for a moment longer. Is there anyone else here tonight? This is the greatest decision of your life. Is there anyone else? Lord, thank you so much for my two friends this evening. In your presence, they've just made the greatest decision ever. And I pray that right now they would know that amazing acceptance of God. Thank you as they've asked for forgiveness. Their sins are now forgiven. I pray, God, that they will know the deep assurance that they are now God's. They're going to heaven and their sins are forgiven. Let, this, let them find a great church where they can grow in their faith. Let this be the beginning of a great journey for them. In Jesus' name.